0: It takes a village to raise a child. We all know that, right? But what happens if you can't find your village because raising your child is really, really tough? What if you are so filled with shame and doubt and guilt and fear of judgment that you don't share your triumphs and your struggles? You don't talk about it because you don't think anyone can possibly relate. Well, I've been there. And it was really hard for me to find my tribe. So I decided to make mine. I went out and found these amazing mothers who are also in the trenches, struggling to raise their kids. Together, we are a community. And in this podcast, On the Hard Days, you'll find motivating stories from other real moms who get it. We're going to accept who we are and how we show up for our children each and every day, even on the hard days. Hey guys, have you signed up for my weekly newsletter, Mothers Together? I'm hopeful that you have because this newsletter is so fun. First, I have a Mom of the Week feature, which if you didn't already catch it, these moms of the week are just regular moms like you and I who are listening to this podcast, who are followers of this community, and they want to find their people. If you send me a picture and a little bio about yourself, I'll feature you in our Mothers of the Week column, and moms can contact you and make instant friends based on the fact that we are all raising these out-of-the-box kids. And another feature in my newsletter is a recap of the week's podcast episode, as well as resources, because we all need those, and it's so helpful to just have more information. You really can never have too much when you're trying to raise the kids like we have. And so every week I will put in a resource or two, whether a book or a podcast or a blog or whatever, for you to check out. So if you haven't signed up for this newsletter yet, head to my website ontheharddays.com and enter your email address. You'll be getting this newsletter every Friday. And as always, thank you so much for your endless support. And now on to the episode. Welcome back everybody. I am here with the amazing Delphine Rule. She is a mom of three. She's a teacher, a podcaster, and an advocate. And it's funny because I was just saying, hey, that sounds like me, a teacher, a podcaster. I'd like to be an advocate for moms. Um, So Delphine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thanks, Megan. I'm really glad to be here.
0: And I showed up for you a little late, but we're here. <laughs>
1: that's okay, better late than never, right? And I, For oh you, i hang out, for you, all oh, hang oh, out.
0: Man. I appreciate that <laughs> and your time. So um, my audience, if they don't know who you are, give us a little background on you and, mm. and what you do and, and your story.
1: Yeah, oh man, where do you want me to start? I know, there's that's so a many, lot. I know, there's <laughs> so many starting places. Um, so, I mean, really at the heart of it, um, I am a mom to three very energetic, amazing children i have two boys and a girl Uh, we saved the best for last my husband and i laugh sometimes um anyway my kids are eleven, nine, 9 and 5 uh two of them my two boys my older two uh were diagnosed or have um dyslexia uh general anxiety disorder and adhd one is combined and one is inattentive so i get to see the two sides Uh, I am a person with a learning disability. I uh, was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was seven, uh, placed in a special education program and was provided with extra support um, at the time. And then I decided to go into education myself and I knew that my heart lay in special education. So I've spent the last 17 years working in special education, and I started my own company where I support families understanding this long, windy, um, not very parent-friendly, always journey through special education. So I guide parents in being advocates, in understanding the jargon, the lingo, uh, all of the short forms that we like to use in the profession, because it makes us, I don't know, makes us sound smart, maybe. I'm not sure. I get confused with them, so... I like to really work with families to try and help them through the journey because it is long, uh, but it does not have to be a
0: journey that needs to be done alone. Hmm, I love that. And when you said not always parent friendly, I, I think I know what you're talking about because I'm a teacher, but for those who don't know, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So I think that when
1: parents enter the education system, um, especially if they don't initially know, and I'm going to use families who don't initially know that their child might have a learning difference, right, because oftentimes families will appear in, in education and, and, you know, child starts school and everything's fine. Um, but there are those kids who struggle and I find sometimes what happens is um, it's very difficult for parents to understand the steps to getting support, understand what is an individual education plan and the implications therein to understand what um, we have them here. They're called IPRCs. It's an identification placement recommendation committee meeting. That's where a a child would be given, for example, an exceptionality, right? So there's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of information that can come flying at you. Teachers try their utmost, their best to communicate, but sometimes, right, we're talking about high emotions of both the teacher and extreme emotions of parents those lines of communication can get lost and can get crossed and it's not the fault of anyone. It just is the situation and spec ed is, or special education can sometimes be a branch of education that seems scary, that can be overwhelming. And when you are walking through the path of getting a diagnosis, you're also trying to learn information about your child, but then learn about how the education system is potentially going to support them. use the word potentially because Megan you're nodding your head you and I both know that it's not as easy as saying oh we're gonna fly in this assistant or we're gonna get this going or we're gonna have especially let's talk about the fact that we're recording this in pandemic which has brought in a whole other like um dynamic of support and need and so when I talk about the overwhelm that it can be and the difficulties that's what I'm talking about not only are you learning something that can be life-changing for your child and as a parent that is difficult but you're then trying to understand the education system and how to navigate it and so it can be really difficult to do alone and what I really try to do with access to education is through my podcast talk to other families so that other people can hear stories of success of yeah it was really crappy and it sucked and we were in the trenches for a long time but we have now gotten to right like really try to do that for families so that um they don't feel alone in the journey because they they really aren't alone but it feels like a very lonely dark space in the beginning
0: it sure does i you know i feel that on a a deep level Um, and sometimes that beginning lasts many years. It can last a long time. And and how about you specifically before you started the podcast before, you know, when you were first thrown into the mix of parenting and motherhood and chaos and, oh (laughs) oh boy, I mean, where did you stand mental health wise with all of this? How are you doing? Wow. How did you get from there to here? Get there to here. Yeah. Well, um, it was with a lot of tears.
1: Uh, listen, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There, There was antidepressants involved. There was therapy involved. Um, there was a lot of blame, shame, guilt, especially for me personally, because I am dyslexic, have been all my life. So I vividly remember having a meltdown with my husband when I was pregnant and saying, what happens if our kids have a learning disability? Because I'd been to a conference several years prior here in Toronto where I live um, and it was a dyslexic expert and he was talking about the genetic component of dyslexia. And I, I can't even, I don't know if we were engaged, I don't remember, but I know that I was sort of thinking, you know, it was probably going this way and someday I wanted to have children. And when he started to talk about the biological component and the DNA and all of that, and I was like, oh my God do I now want to, like, I I had a moment of like, well, maybe I just shouldn't have kids because I don't want any of my children to go through this. And listen, 42 years later, I can say this hasn't, like, I'm okay, right? I have, I've made it through the other side, but it wasn't without difficulty. And so we had, with my eldest, it was hard because I didn't want to I didn't want to accept see what was going on, and so it was when he got into school and his behavior was it was preschool, and he just would not listen. He just was running all over the place. He wouldn't pay attention. He was he's a, he was and still to some extent is, but was very much then. I called him the zero to sixty. He yes. was totally calm. Something would happen, click your fingers, and he's like sky, and I'm like what is he'd hit kids for no reason. There was no conflict resolution. He was impulsive. It was all these things. And so the daycare started to be like, Hey, we want to bring in a behavior consultant to come and observe him. And my heart sank. I was like, Oh no, where, and, and yeah, I, I was just like, where are we going with this? And I was already working in spec ed. So I was already a teacher. I was a couple of years into my career and I'd started this spec ed career and I sorta knew what was coming but I've, I've said this to a couple of people that when I used to sit in spec ed meetings with families before I had kids because I had a learning disability, I had this like hey, yeah I got this I understand I totally get how these families feel I'm total I'm on board it's very difficult, you know it's going to be really hard, but look at me I was fine their kid is going to be fine. But then I had kids and then I started to sit in those meetings. And I remember one meeting with one mom and she sat at the table and she cried and she cried. And I just remember handing her the Kleenex box (laughs) and sort of doing that, like rubbing her back and being like, it's going to be okay. And to be able to say like, you know, I understand, but to really honestly deepen my bones feel for her. But also what was happening was she was sitting at a table with there would have been a psychologist a social worker a speech language pathologist you know, a spec ed consultant the principal or the vice principal and then myself and there's this one mom yep. sitting by herself being told that her child is really struggling and coming to terms with that is hard and so as i kind of moved forward in my career i was like i want to do more wasn't enough for me to be in the system. I wanted to be able to do more outside of the system because, again, as I've said, from a personal perspective of a person with a learning disability to a parent of kids with learning disability, I feel like I have, I I can kind of see all the different sides and I understand the intricacies of the education system. Listen, there's nothing perfect about the education system. I don't care where you are. There's nothing perfect about it it requires a lot of gumption, quite frankly, to stand up and say, I want, I need, my child requires. Um, And if you don't understand the system, it can be overwhelming, scary, tiring, emotional, it can be all of those things. So what I try to do is, is meet with parents on a one-on-one and support them through the process and sometimes it's just that I'm listening. I mean, I've had a couple of clients who will call me a couple of times a day because something has happened and they just need to vent, right? Because they don't have a friend who's going through the process. They don't have a family member who's a safe person. And so I become kind of the, the, the vent to location. And so that's kind of what I'm here for.
0: That's an amazing thing that you're doing. That is an amazing thing. I mean, as a teacher myself, I know those meetings. I know that big long brown table, the, clean, the Kleenex in the middle, um, crying parents, a table of eight professionals and one adult, you know, not one adult, one, one parent or whatever. Um, or sometimes they bring a grandparent. And they're so overwhelmed with the information about how their child is doing that when it gets to the part about recommendations and setting IEP goals and all of that, it's right over their heads. And at the end, they'll, you know, we'll say, okay, so does that work? And they're like, yes. Okay. Sign this paper, you know, and, and there's got to be this massive trust factor. And as a teacher before having children, I never really put myself on the in the shoes of the other person. I, I tried really hard to be very, um, you know, sympathetic in my tone and, and reassuring in my tone. I do have your child's best interests at heart, but now having a child who needs more and needs extra, it's like, wow, I need to. It's a good thing I know the system because I need to say hey, I hear what you're saying about this one thing, but what about this? Have you thought about this? I'd like to try this. And if you're not in the system, you wouldn't know that. So what you're doing is wonderful. But even in the system,
1: like I'm sure you had moments in the system where you're like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. Like, so my children go to a different <laughs> school board. They're not in the same school board that I work in. And so I had to kind of learn my own school board and their school board. But one of the things that I think is really important to maybe say tonight to to people listening, is that even if you sign on whatever the goals are for the IEP in that meeting, let's just use that as the example. Just because you signed at the table at that minute, at that moment, if you go home and three days later, you're like, oh, I don't like that goal. You can go back to the team and say, you know, I've thought about it and I'm not sure that this is a good fit. And so one of the other things that I do, and. Maybe I'm a little weird for this, Megan. You can tell me if you think this is weird. But I really like going through IEPs and editing them and looking through them and picking out the things and saying to parent, hey, what is something your kid is good at? And they'll ream off like a gajillion things. And I'll go, okay, well, there's like three things that this IEP says your your child is good at, but they've got like 10 needs. Why don't you take them a couple more strengths? So what I'm saying is that, you know, parents have every right to really edit, like dig into that IEP, question it. If there is an accommodation that's on there and you don't know what it is, Mm -hmm. you are allowed to ask that question to say, how are you using color cues? How are you using proximity to instructor? Mm -hmm. I don't know. How are you using note taking? Like whatever it is. And I actually one year I remember one of my kids IEPs and I don't remember whose it was. But one of the boys, the IEP came back and I, I I mean, I, I hacked it (laughs) to the point of like, I emailed the teacher. I no, I think I phoned her. Oh, good for you. I think I phoned her. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I have a lot of like things on this IEP that I'm going to send you back. I said, I'm just, I'm calling to tell you that like this is, and she's like, Delphine, I spend a lot of time on that IEP. I think about everything I write in that that you take the time as the parent to read it and tell me your thoughts means that together we're working to the same goal. And so listen, not every school, not every school. You're not gonna get that from every teacher. You're not gonna get that from every school. You're not gonna get that from every school board. But if you can lay the foundation of working with the teachers, being open, being honest, being accepting, and being able to communicate, whether it's through email, because that's your comfort zone, whether it's via phone, because that's your comfort zone, whether it's a pick up and drop off. And I know teachers at pick up and drop off, they're like, I'm busy taking attendance, making sure, like, get it, right? So book a time with the teacher. Like, I don't know a single teacher who would not take the time to talk to a parent about a child who's struggling. But I think parents are scared. Mm -hmm. They fear judgment about their parenting. This doesn't have anything to do with your parenting. Your child's learning needs or ability to function in a classroom has very little to do with parenting. But what it does require is being open and honest with the teacher and saying, hey, I know there's a problem I'm trying to do. Can you help me with? so that you're working together. Because for me, what happens at home and what happens at school, especially for most of our kids, like my kids with anxiety and ADHD, if the same rules, and I have one who's a very rule follower, if the same rules do not apply at home and at school, nobody is happy, Mm -hmm. right? Teachers aren't happy, I'm not happy, child's not happy. So I guess my long-winded way of saying, IEPs are editable, anything you sign and agree to, you can always say, I've changed my mind, or I'd like to revisit, or I'd like to have a conversation about. I'm not saying go into the school, like, you know, guns blazing, be like, I'm not happy. And like, that's not gonna, right? That's not, not the best way to go about it. Emotions run high. That's somewhere I was at a conference somewhere and somebody said the amygdala takeover, like, where it just like your, all of your emotions are firing. But if you can take a breath, go in there in a way that is like, "Hey, I'm not here to, you know, dump all of your apples out of your apple cart and say everything is awful. How can we work together?" And so I try to support families in being able to create that. And I try really hard to have that within, you know, the schools where I work with the parents and the teachers and the kids who are struggling and and come at it from that empathetic view,
0: which I think is super important. In fact, I mean, I can think of many times, many times over the years where there's this tension in the room and the parent walks in with maybe an advocate or um, a grandparent or somebody else and they are ready for battle. And so on the teacher side, on the uh, you know staff side, we're like bracing for impact. It's like, what are we doing here? And And, and somebody always says, we are here because we all have the the best interests of your child, but Hey guys, this has been an amazing episode, but I just want to take a minute to tell you about the launch of my bonus episodes, which I think you probably heard about recently in these bonus episodes, one per week. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about our lives. I'm talking about my kids. Honestly, sharing it with you has been therapeutic for me, but also, you know, I don't want to get too lost in my own story and lost in my own head. I think, you know, what that's like when, you know, you're raising these out-of-the-box kids and you kind of get lost in your own head. Sharing my struggles and my journey in this parenting mission I'm on, well, it's been really nice and it's been good for me. And I've heard from some of you that it's been good for you too. So I wanted to offer a a once-a-week bonus episode that's just me. It's um, a reflection of things that have happened. It's an update on things that are going on. And I would love for you to take a listen to those bonus episodes. So now, instead of four episodes a month, you're going to get eight. You'll get four with a mama guest, and you'll get four with just me. To access those bonus episodes, you're going to need to go to patreon.com slash days. And there, you can find those bonus episodes, along with uh, Zoom calls and a couple other things that um, are optional for you, of course, but I would love it if you would consider supporting my mission of bringing this community together and supporting me that way. So if you're interested head over to patreon.com/ on the hard days to check out my bonus episodes and if there's anything else that I can do to support you further, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Now back to the episode. Uh, here's a question for you and this this kind of strays a little bit but if certain times, parents are going into these meetings about meeting their child's needs in school and they're coming for battle where does that come from where does that come from in our society where it's like there's this this disconnect between families and staff on raising and educating children there's definitely a break there somewhere you know what i mean
1: yeah, I totally do. Cause I've been in those meetings, right? You, you know, you scheduled the meeting weeks in advance. You're all bracing You're as staff. You're like running around. You're trying to make sure you've got every shred of evidence to like say, this is why, and this is here. Right. But I, for me, because I've been that emotional parent in that meeting, something has happened. I'm not happy. I'm very upset that somebody has made a decision on something and it's, for me anyway in those moments of i've had it i can't take it anymore it's because as a parent i am emotionally and physically exhausted i have given everything i can and now i really just want you as the school system to figure it out don't ask me what works don't ask me what reward system to use don't ask me what i'm doing at home don't ask me how much tutoring and therapy and everything else i'm doing because i'm maxed as staff, we're going, oh, my goodness, we have thrown speech language and psychology and we've tried assessments and we've tried and we've tried. Look at the laundry list of things and nothing's working. And so you've got parents saying nothing's working. You've got educators saying nothing's working. And then and then what happens? It's like the two magnets trying to attack attach that can't Right? You've got the wrong poles sticking together. So it then becomes a battle of like, well, who's going to say what first? and so i think that in those really stressful meetings i have had those meetings happen more than once where we have a meeting and we go okay we're not getting anywhere today i think we need to sort of you know put this aside go back rethink make a plan and come back and that forces us as educators to walk away and go okay that meeting didn't go well we clearly don't have parents on board what are we missing what didn't we explain to them what as a team did we miss right because there isn't a situation in special education where a teacher or at least i hope there isn't and i hope if any of my teachers are listening that they've never felt i've left them out to dry but there isn't ever a case with a child in special education where the teacher is the sole person responsible Mm -hmm. for supporting the child Mm -hmm. agreed and so then it's like okay but who is in the team who can help who do we need to pull from? Maybe we don't have that person in our school team, but there's somebody in our school board or somebody that we know who we can call to say, hey, I have this student and these are the issues. And, but then as a parent, you have to walk away and say, okay, what really have I done to support my child? Mm-hmm. Have I tried to, listen, one of the big ones, and I'm sure you've done this or suggested this to families. One of the big ones I always say to families is the easiest one is if you have a family doctor not everybody does, but if you do, that is your starting point. Go to your family doctor. Hey, you know, Dr. Joe, school is telling me that kiddos having trouble with, you know, following routines and holding a pencil and doing all these things. And I'm kind of noticing at home that like they're losing things or it takes us forever to get out the door because we can't, whatever it is, or they don't want to read, they refuse to read with me or they have high emotions the place to start is with the doctor because then that allows the doctor to say, well, maybe we need to look at this, or maybe we could do this. But also as a parent, I think the biggest thing I want to say or that I feel like needs to be said is that you need to unconditionally love your child. Cause sometimes just saying to your kid, I know you're trying really hard and I know things are difficult. Right? Now, I'm not saying you're going to say to a, a six-year-old, "Tell me how we can help you at school." Right? You're not going, but just acknowledging for your your child, your student, that it's sometimes it's hard, and sometimes school doesn't feel good. But yeah. sometimes that opens the door for them to say, "Yeah, you know, I'm having a problem with whether it's a friend, whether maybe it's a teacher they don't get along with." Right? Like we don't always get along with everybody. I'm sure you've worked with people that you know you necessarily don't jive together. Well, you're maybe in a class, maybe they're in a class with a couple of kids who are picking on them for something, which is making the behavior worse, which is making their, right. Like it's just, yeah, yeah. there's just so many different factors, but I have certainly been in those meetings where from both sides, you could cut the tension with a knife. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to say the wrong thing. And as educators, we don't want to promise something we can't do. Mm -hmm. But parents, understandably, because I've been that parent, I want the moon for my kid, mm-hmm. right? I am going to stand up and say, my kid is worthy. Now, what are you going to do about it? Right. right. And not sometimes where we get into trouble.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, so I had to get a 504 um, for my child, and this was my first experience with being on the parent side, having that kind of meeting. It was, it was actually on the phone because it's during COVID season. It wasn't even Zoom. I didn't even see any faces and I was sitting in my car. But anyway, you know, you have to come at it from a brainstorming perspective. Let's brainstorm together because here's what I'm seeing. Now, my child struggles at home, not at school, but there is a linked piece. He's twice exceptional, He is gifted all of the things. And so I had to really work my psychology in, in socializing with other people. I think that if I came at it, like, look, this is what I'm struggling with. And I need you to figure out how to help him. I mean, that is what I'm thinking, but as an educator, that comes on kind of strong sometimes. So instead I say, can we as a team work together to brainstorm ways to help my child. And they're going to go, yeah, of course. And then I can name a thing. How about this? And they'll say, oh, we can do that. Or no, it's not going to work. And then they can go, how about this? And I can say, oh yeah, don't, don't bother with that. That's never going to work. And that's got to be how it goes. I think, I mean, I've only had that experience so far and I know it can get a lot heftier than that, but (sighs) As someone on both sides, just like you, giving a word of advice, it's like try to come at it with empathy, with with um, connection, with understanding, with the desire to find a tribe of people who will love and support your child, and that can be tricky when you hear, you know, things like, oh, that parents coming to that IEP meeting today. Um, you know, watch out. Uh, we got to be on our game. And it, and it just becomes such an uncomfortable mess. And we've forgotten why we're there. But, but I totally can resonate with what you said about a parent being exhausted and just drained. Like, I'm done. I have tried all the things. I need your help. But it has to be asked like that.
1: It does. But the other thing, and, and you just you just said it, that the other thing that we have to do every time is put the child in the center so we've been watching Star Trek with my son, and they've got all those holographic things that come up all the time. And it's almost like I wish we could put a holographic image of the child in the middle of the table. Oh, good idea. Right? Like but a cardboard so, cutout. But, but something, because I find sometimes in those meetings, you know, we pull out the student, we call them Ontario student records here, but the OSRs, which has like all of their report cards, all of their stuff. And we pass it around the table, and everybody looks at the information. And most times, people will look at the picture because ours have pictures at the back, so you'll have like all the pictures, and it's super cute. Especially when they've had them from kindergarten
0: to grade eight. I love
1: it. I love doing that. So cute to see them grow and change, and they're all just so adorable. And just anyway, so cute. But you almost want to blow that picture up and put it on the table as a reminder of like we're all here. Listen, not every parent is going to get along with every administrator in the building with every consultant who comes into the meeting with every teacher right like we are all human beings so if we can somehow and and maybe we need to find a way maybe megan this is you and i hope this is how you and i can change the world we can find a way to structure the meeting at the beginning so that we remember the purpose for the meeting mm. Because I think sometimes we get lost in the next meeting's in 20 minutes and I know this meeting's going to go over because, you know, of whatever. Or the last meeting went late, so this meeting's been bumped back. So then the parent is upset because they've been kept waiting for something. Like they're just there's so many outside factors um, that come into play with this. And special education or if the child isn't even in special education yet, if there's a child who's struggling parents and teachers are already going to be heightened to the kid who's struggling and we have to figure out a way to fix it. Let's call it what it is. They're trying to fix it mm-hmm. because as educators, and I've certainly felt this way, I want to help a kid. I want to figure out what is the key that unlocks the door to success. Mm-hmm. But if I feel threatened by a parent coming to me and saying, my kid learns best this way, they need this, they need that. Then as the teacher, sometimes I can be like, well, what do you know about teaching? You're not a teacher. You're just the parent. Mm-hmm. Here's the important thing to remember. Who has had the child longer? Mm-hmm. Who knows them better? I would argue nine times out of 10, it's going to be the parent because it's their flesh and blood or it's their child. It's, they've had that child since they were wee tiny, right? And I'm even thinking of like, you know, guardians. So let's talk about kids who maybe, you know, don't for whatever reason live with their biological parents. They live with someone else. Chances are that someone else has had that child for a long time. And so they're very familiar with what sets them off, what frustrates them, what are they good at, right? What are the things that they would like to see improved? So yeah, it's all of these things. And listen, all of this, this topic, all of our our beautiful children who are outside of the box thinkers and do things in a different way have so many gifts to provide us but I think we get hijacked mm-hmm. by looking at a very narrow tunnel of what they can't do versus the broad spectrum of what they can do mm-hmm. and how that can support what they can't do
0: and and isn't that kind of The whole concept of of uh, the way society looks at and treats people with disabilities in general Mm -hmm. it's by looking at what they cannot do
1: that person's in a wheelchair they can't go up the stairs
0: yeah able-bodied or whatever or Mm -hmm. not uh, focusing on this person cannot whatever, but look what they can do. And not only look what they can do, it's not just to pass compliments around the table. How can we use what they can do in school to support what they can't? Right. Strengths-based learning, uh, uh, you know, looking at what they are strongest in and using that to their, their advantage. And that's definitely something we don't, it's very
1: hard it's i I think it's it's very hard because i think as a society i think we're very used to seeing the flaws in the system or in the person yeah and it requires more of us like you know think of just think of anyone you know anyone you know and you know give me five things they're good at i don't know would you know but give me five things they're bad at or not so good at or that you don't like about them You could give me the negative in a a minute, not even 30 seconds, but you probably need a minute or two to think of some of the positive things. And the other thing to remember about the kid's strengths, and this is maybe going off on a bit of a tangent, but so my middle son was a non-reader in August. So we're now, what month are we in now? I've even lost track of the months. We're in May now. I think it's May. (laughs) I think it's May. It's like the year that never ends.
0: No, you're telling me.
1: In August, he was a non-reader. And so we started him on a special tutoring program. And we have since discovered that, in fact, he could somewhat read. The problem was the material he was being provided with was not enough of an incentive for him to want to. Yes. I'm not interested in that. Why am I going to read that? I don't care. Then we started to discover he's obsessed. And I, I use that in the most, like, put blinky lights around it with space.
0: Oh, my son loves space too.
1: Well, you put a space book in front of the kid. Now, it's not easy. It's hard for him. He stumbles over the words. He has to read back. It's 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 not easy. It's painful for me to watch sometimes. But he will stick with it. Now, you give him a story of like the paper bag princess, which would be relatively easy to read in comparison.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: not even a little bit like, no, I'm not reading that. I'm not interested. So that's the other part about playing to the strengths is that you're looking at the interests and the things that are going to grab the child to motivate them. Because when we have kids who have exceptionalities, whether it's gifted or or not, right? So it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum, you need to find the thing that's going to engage them, the thing that's going to give them the buy-in to do the work. Because if you don't get that, then you get the behavior, which then brings you down the spiral of we're never going to get out of this we're stuck here forever
0: completely agree a hundred percent
1: and that's not easy to do either by the way it's it's not especially when you have a class of 30 kids right so let's talk about the pressure on teachers here just for a minute that's
0: exactly where i was going to go that where you were going see look at that look at look at where we are here same page girl
1: but it's hard as teachers there is nothing simple about teaching it is not let me go to this manual you know or even like this picture book and and the lesson will fall out of it it, it doesn't it that'd be that nice
0: though that'd be nice though like if
1: you could get like the ikea instructions that even were just the pictures to yes. say first you'll do then you'll do oh you'll miss three pieces in the middle but it's fine because we'll catch them at the end right like <laughs> it, that is not how teaching children works and it right. doesn't work that way because every kid is different. Every kid requires something different. Every board, every system, every school district has a slight change in how things need to go. That if, that influence and affects what's possible.
0: Yes. Now, don't you think on a broader scale that the system in general, like thinking about what you just said, right? So a teacher... Uh, yes, I'm going here. What is good teaching? And all teachers know, we all know what good teaching is. We often cannot do it to the level that we should. So, for example, you know, not having enough books in a classroom library. Uh, I, I certainly do. And I'm not speaking about my own at all, but just in general lack of supplies, lack of resources, lack of time, lack of scheduling you know, whatever, there's scheduling issues. Um, This student needs a a lot of movement breaks. Okay, well, I can't, let's, I don't have an aide, So um, that child also really needs to be watched just to make sure they're being safe with their bodies. But I have 25 other kids in my room and I can't leave them alone so do i meet the needs of this one because the iep says i have to and then risk having something happen to the 25 others you know it's way more complicated than parents probably know not only is it more complicated but it's it's got major gaps major holes Mm -hmm. this is a a constant uh, level of frustration for, for educators. And especially when a parent comes in guns a blazing, and says, I need this and I need this and I need this. And the teachers are like, oh, does the parent know what's best for their kid? A hundred percent. Yes. But like, hello, do you, you see, you see what I got going on in this room? And we don't have storage and we don't, again, not me, but there might not be storage. There might not be, um, you're sharing things with other classrooms and other teachers. And there's one um set of computers to go around or whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Like, what do you think of that? What do you say to that? Because that feels overwhelming to me as a mother and a teacher. Like, oh God, I don't know if I can, what are we going to do about this? I don't know. I, I can do anything about it. It's messy. It's
1: really messy and it's scary and it's overwhelming. Um, and to change a system as big as education takes a monumental effort and let's talk about the fact that it's not just changing one or two little things it's like big giant overhaul mf problems yeah right yeah and i I, megan if i had a wand a magic wand and if i could fix it all dear goodness me i'd have done it Seventeen years ago, when I started out on this beautiful <laughs> journey of education, and I remember my first year of teaching, I would roll in the door at seven, to the building. I was one of the first ones there. It was Same. one of the first ones out. Same. And as veteran teachers, we begin to see that that is not sustainable. Yeah. So the, I'm not answering your question. I'm going on a tangent. I'm yeah, doing that's the, like, true,
0: but that's true.
1: So and, and as the system has changed, as education has changed, as the, the demands on us have become greater, as we have started to believe, and, and I think inclusion is great, but as certainly here where I am now, inclusion is the big thing. So now not only do you have you know, the 25 kids who are all very different, but you also have two or three kids who have various levels of exceptionality, but there's no support. And this is what I keep asking when I go to meetings and I'm like, okay, great. I'm really glad we're doing inclusion because I think that inclusion for kids who are neurotypical, I think it's really good for them to see neurodiversity. Agreed. To understand that it's not easy for everybody, to understand that people are different, to be empathetic, To all of those things. But it's really difficult for that teacher to support the quote unquote neurotypical, because really what is neurotypical? Mm-hmm. Um, I might as well just use the word normal. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. the same in the same vein. But then I think it's really hard for that poor teacher to manage the expectations of the average child's parent, the expectation of the child who requires more support, the expectation of the administration, the the expectation of the ministry of education in our case you know, the district or whatever it is, meet the curriculum expectations. Oh, but by the way, you have to teach them about self-advocacy, mental health, wellness, looking after themselves, feeding themselves, dressing themselves. Like, hi, once upon a time, children sat in rows and the teacher said two plus two and the children said four. Four plus four and the children said eight. Teacher said, take out your slate, write the letter A a hundred times. Like, look at what we've moved from right we've moved from such a a diverse thing and now we're teaching about i mean listen digital citizenship that's a whole other one that we have to talk about and teach about and all of these things are important and yes we need to teach them all and yes but like at some point the the straw is going to break because teachers can only hold up so much of the weight and administrators try at least i hope we do because now that i'm on that side of the table I think we try really hard to support our teachers where we can and the things we can. And part of the reason I chose to make the leap to the chair is because I'd like to try and support the change for special education within the system. I felt like as a teacher, I just kept running up against a wall and I was like, I can't get through the (laughs) wall. And I thought, you know, I can't make change from here. I can support the change or I can support the drive to and the need to, but you know, I'm really hoping that from the perspective that i have that being able to be at a table that has deeper voices or louder voices or i don't know i talking to the people i need to talk to mm-hmm. that i can start to be part of that change so listen i don't know that we can ever fix the system in terms of the pressures on teachers i think the pressures on teachers are astronomical in the last year and a half it's not like i, I can't i the teachers who i know and who i work with have worked very hard they've really worked hard and there isn't enough recognition of that sometimes i think although i i certainly in this last lockdown for us here in ontario you know there's a shift there's an understanding now
0: it only took a year and a half
1: yeah, for some it did, not for all, but for some, yeah. for sure. Yeah.
0: But I listen,
1: I I think the here's what I think needs to change in education. If if I could have my way with education, if I were in charge of education, smaller class sizes, number one. Let's get rid of these 20, 25, 30, like sorry, it's not doable. It's not. Um so I would love to see classes of 15. Like if it right, I'm giving you my pipe dream here. Classes of 15. Every classroom gets an EA and a teacher. Every school gets two spec ed teachers, right? Like here are all the things, right? Every school has every piece of technology required, whether it's a Dyna board, whether it's a speech recorder, whether it's whatever it is, right? Whatever you need for your kids to be successful. If I had infinite money and I could do it, first thing on my radar.
0: So why does that have to be a pipe dream? You know, like, it's so frustrating. I feel so frustrated when you have, you didn't list off um, unnecessary fancy things. No. You, you mentioned basic necessities to meet the, the needs of students. And you're like, that's a pipe dream. And you're right. But that's the problem. That's the problem. We're Everyone is asking everyone else To perform miracles that they cannot do. Um, And and that goes both ways to parents as well. You know, we do not know what our students home lives are like we we have an idea sometimes but it can be much messier than we know and, and we cannot expect, well they should have and they should have and they should have Let's talk about meeting the needs of our students with um, their nutrition and being hungry and being thirsty. And Well, there's
1: another thing teachers have to do, by the way, is consider whether or not the child has arrived with food, right? Like, let's just, right? And and fix the boo-boos and the crying and all. Sorry, I'm I'm going back to the other. Sorry, keep going.
0: No, 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 don't. No, no, you're fine. You're right. It's Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid. Well, I can see that you're hanging on by a thread. So here's a snack and here's a water bottle. Okay, now get back to math. Okay, I, I can see that, you know, we're patching these holes, but it's like, I don't know, I have this visual of like um, acid being poured on something where it's evaporating and like just a pile of liquid. That's like the education system. You know, it's it's a few holes, but pretty soon it's just going to melt into a puddle. Teachers right now, obviously, uh, due to COVID and and whatnot are leaving the profession in droves. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be a big hiring, I would imagine, over the next couple of years. And that, I mean, this is an opportunity, if systems would only recognize this, to sort of build the house again. Like we could kind of start over. We now can see, did I really... Did that have to be a meeting or could that have been an email? You know, we can start to see now that a year and a half has gone by. Wow, I didn't really need that. Or Wow, I really need this. We need in education in general, more guidance counselors, oh. more school psychologists, more mental health professionals, because- mm-hmm. Oh, I'm getting on my high horse now too. We lost,
1: Yeah, we lost every single one of our guidance counselors. My grade eight teacher has been in charge of doing all of the transitions to grade nine.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: He's done it all by himself and he's been amazing.
0: Guidance counselors have a to-do list that is t- 10 miles long, yeah. just as long as- Well, it's a- like
1: our social workers, right? Yes. At least here where I am. I mean, our social workers are working full tilt- and especially Absolutely. through this this Absolutely. difficult, difficult time, they've had a rough go of it. So there isn't anyone working in education who's sitting on their hands. Right. Not a single one of us. Right. We are at least those of us well no, I would say in general. Yeah. But I, I think it comes down to money. Every single time. It, it comes down to money. Put it on the table. Can't lie about it, because it's true. And anybody who might tell us it isn't true, I would like them to prove me otherwise it's about money 100% mm-hmm.
0: but since we're since society and we say well that's a problem we can't fix now back to your job and make sure you do x y and z like we all know the problem mm-hmm. but we're still putting those band-aids on and you know my own child now oh well, he's only in first grade um but but seeing what's to come and and wonderful school system and wonderful teachers and wonderful staff and it's not about that but when you're cramming kids and 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 there is a lack of time, gosh, the time! Teachers don't have time. I don't have time. Um, it's clear that it's like we're fighting a losing battle. It's just going to keep coming again and again, and it's very discouraging at times.
1: It is discouraging, but I think that there are moments of and, and when we find them, we have to hold on to them that there are moments of real good in education. And there are moments of, at the end of the day, you can close the door and leave and say, I made a difference in a kid's life today, or I did something that mattered too. And for me, sometimes it's as simple as saying, I went to a staff member and checked in on them. And sometimes it's, I spent an extra, I mean, I'm now teaching online once a day, I'm teaching a kiddo who's struggling to read every day. And she's late. Every day I sit around for 20 minutes waiting for her to show up in my Google meet every day, I go into her classroom several times. I interrupt the class and the whole class is like, look, Miss Rule is here. And I'm like, okay, I just, I'm trying to creep in really quietly. It's very hard in a Google classroom, by the way, to like creep in quietly and, you know, remove <laughs> the child to go work with them because the whole class sees you come in. Yeah. But it's building those relationships with those kids and it's creating successful moments, even if they're just little, like, even if, I mean, my success this week with her is she now recognizes the letter U doesn't seem like a big thing, but in my world, that's a huge step that now when I put the letter U into the chat, cause that's how we do it. Cause we can't figure out how to, she can't figure out the sharing screens and all that good stuff. But if I put it into the chat and I say to her, what is that letter? It's the letter U. So yes, we can allow ourselves to get, bogged down. And parents do this too, right? I certainly did this with my own kids. And my husband would sometimes have to remind me, I'm like, oh my God, he can't read and he can't do this. And he's never going to be able to do this. And what if he can't? And my husband would literally be like, stop it. (laughs) Stop. He did this, this, and this, and this that we thought he would never do. And then my husband, sometimes when he's trying to really prove a point, will say, Remember when you sat at that IPRC meeting when you were in grade eight and everybody told you not to go to the high school without support. And everybody told you that you should just go to college. Cause here in Canada, we've got United, uh, we've got universities and colleges. So the university is like your like college basically. And then college here is just the trades kind of a thing. So got it, okay. just trades. And I was told I should just go to college and forget about university. Cause I'll never graduate high school. And I like, there were all these things. It's people were like, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never. Well, okay. Graduated high school by myself, you know with credits plus Right, then I I made it through university. I did four years of university I got my master's in teaching in australia. Like I I've I've done the thing right like I've done the thing that people said I wouldn't do so even with The crappy system and I would argue that when I was younger, it was a better system than it is now because this is what happens and evolves. And people think it's evolving. That The pendulum is going in the right direction and then they miss the mark. They go a little too far in the one direction and now we need to pull her back in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that as educators, when we start to go down that negative vortex into that negative hole of it's awful, it's terrible, we're never gonna fix it. How are we, gonna, what are we gonna do? That actually stops the progress because mm. you get stuck. You get stuck in the well. Why am I going to bother? Because this is terrible. This is awful. This isn't working. That that that, that Okay, great. Yep, I hear you on all those things. But give me a positive. Again, see, it goes back to remember we talked about this earlier. Finding the strengths and the needs. It's yeah. very easy to look at the needs. It's very hard to find the strengths. Yeah. yeah. And it and it's true. It's hard. And so somewhere in there, you have to look for pot. And even if it's like a tiny minute thing, like the kid remembered the letter U today. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But it's not tiny because it's you've not. worked with her again and again and again. Two
1: weeks. Two weeks <laughs> to remember the letter U. Yep. It's not that
0: I'm counting. Oh my god. But but two you weeks. but you got her there. And it is about those tiny moments as a staff member about those tiny moments of connection and sharing a laugh and sharing uh, whatever it is and just like hey i am here for you today
1: well I, and you know? those parents too the parents who are in the trenches absolutely what is the one thing your kid did today that made you laugh that made you love them more like my kids will do something sometimes and i'm like oh just come here let me give you a hug and my kids like what did i do and i'm like you just did something cute or you just did something sweet or you drew me a picture or I, I mean my one kid today my nine year-old by himself without prompting usually I have to like nag at them brought up the compost bin all by himself today that was my win, Thanks, right that, like that's a win that, that's the thing right like and and so I think that especially in these icky pandemic times where things are heavy already just being able to find, something and it god is sometimes it's it's that the sun was out today or the bird like i don't you know what i mean like if you have to go and look for it and and what i would say to those parents who are in the trenches right now going through the process and trying to figure themselves out that you need to hold on every day you need to find that one thing that was good because there will be a lot of negative right like i mean there i've got heaps of stories about me coming and crying and just swearing up a blue streak and wanting to just say that's it I'm done I don't want to be a mom anymore I'm finished like I'm not made I'm not cut out for this like I'm done quit right right. but we can't right and neither can educators by the way and by by and large they don't they trudge through right head down keep going and so I think for both parents and educators especially given in the time we're recording and we should all go back to these recordings in five years from now to be like oh my god we survived that yeah Um, just remembering that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's not forever. Everything is a phase. Remember when you had that baby infant who wouldn't sleep and you thought, oh my God, I'm never sleeping again. You do eventually sleep, right? The child does eventually learn the letter U and that it says, ah, right? Like all of those things happen. There's blood, there's sweat, there's crying, there's swearing, there's frustration, there's brick walls, there's red tape, there's whatever you want to say in front of you in that road. But I think what's important is nobody can give up. And change doesn't happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. I wish that it was. I'm not a patient person. I like things to happen really quickly. Like, yeah. right, Hurry yes. up! Yeah. I don't have time. Yep. Don't have time for this. I need to move on to the next thing. Um, and I am learning and it's taking me a long time. I am learning to sometimes take a breath and go, okay,
0: what was good today? Yeah. You're really positive, really optimistic. And not I- always, <laughs> not always,
1: but I'm learning and pa- this, this is, this, and this is my thing. This is what I'm learning through pandemic is that if I'm constantly stuck in the negative, then I can't possibly find my way out. Yeah. And it's hard work. Like there are days where I'm like, Ugh, I want to sit in my negative. Ugh. Screw you and your happy, pretty sunshine and roses and unicorns. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. But I think that life is difficult. There are challenges. But again, we need to just try and find the positivity where you can. And maybe yeah. it's just that it didn't rain today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've got to start really, really tiny. And I, I did a, um, I've done an episode or two on that as well about just, looking for the tiny moments of success whatever it is especially when you're raising an out-of-the-box child and the emotions are big and there's lots of screaming um which I can surely relate to but finding the like one tiny thing like I got on the floor with my kid and we played a card game okay there it is there's your win my kid hung up their towel in the bathroom that a win <laughs> you have to count those things and it and it's it's a good, it's a good uh, reminder. I remember that a lot as a mom. I sometimes forget that as a teacher, I think in this pandemic, because it is so draining. So that's that's a good reminder for me too. And it's, it's, it's grabbing a basketball and shooting some hoops with a kid at recess for five minutes. And it's, um, hey, tell me about the new cat you just got. Whatever, it's, it's about connection. It's about love, it's about understanding. And I love the idea of starting an IEP meeting or 504, any of me all the meetings with like, like a list of positives. Now we, I mean, I don't, we we tend to start off with like, you know, what's going well. I don't mean what's going well. I mean, like, let's talk about how awesome this kid is. Mm -hmm. Let's celebrate this child for three whole minutes. We're all going to go around and we're going to name what we see, what we notice, what we love about this child. Let's make that a thing like let's change
1: and it can't just be that they're cute no 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 can't you have to go beyond that you have to dig deeper
0: if we're if the only thing we can comment is appearance then we've got another problem and that's right another issue
1: so yeah that's a whole other yeah podcast recording
0: Yeah. yeah yeah let's just name what we see that kid is really good at organizing their desk. Like they are an awesome, like they organize, they are clean. They always know where their stuff is. They help other people find their things, whatever it is. They're a helper. Yes.
1: They're responsible. Yes. They're musical. They're, they're artistic. Yes.
0: They're,
1: they're a good jokester. Right. Right they, you know, they laugh a lot or yeah. they bring people up or they whatever, yeah. like they're yes. really good at working with the kindergarten kids if they're an older kid, right? If they like that leadership role, those are all things that are, are listen, that's not an academic thing, no. but those are the things that we know later in life, if they're a good leader when they're young, they tend to be and if we can foster that in them then they carry that with them. And that is as important as math and reading and writing and learning where all of the various things are in the world and the history and all of that. But you've got to start from the the point of confidence and and the point of of positivity. And it's hard to find. It's not not always easy.
0: No, you you have to dig sometimes. But I think the same can be said for parenting. Before we, why are you not cleaning? And why are you not listening? And why are you not... And there's a lot of that here. And I, I feel that, but let's back up and just mm-hmm. maybe name some positives because you're right. They're going to carry that with them. My I mom was, said, yeah,
1: I was in a meeting and the five-year-old brings me a dripping wet freezy that is like overflowing with oozy sticky stuff.
0: Oh boy. And I'm
1: expletive, expletive. Nobody else cleans it up. I'm the only one who does anything around here. Why can't you just listen? right yeah instead of looking at the cute little curly haired five-year-old who's come to me to be like mommy i need help but because i'm trying to manage because what parent isn't right now a million different moving parts at once
0: the overwhelm it's the overwhelm
1: but then later today she brought me um a picture she had drawn and it was hearts all colored in
0: right that's and that's it that's what it's about that's why we're doing what we do
1: so we put the kid at the center we yep. take a breath and we remember why we as educators are where we are. I remember why I am as an advocate doing what I want to do. And mothers and mothers. Oh, and a mother. Yeah. I guess I got to put that a hat on too, don't I? <laughs> well,
0: you're already wearing
1: it and there's such an
0: overlap. You are. An but there is. It's very a-
1: hard. And, and I listen, and I'm sure you feel it. It's very hard to go into those meetings and go, okay, what hat do I wear today? And nine times out of 10, I have to say it's the parent hat, but it's very hard. And we have made a conscious decision to put our children in a different school board in different school boards than the one I work in specifically so that that hat wearing is slightly less complicated for me because I'm a fierce advocate for my my children, as I think any parent should be. Any parent should be a fierce advocate for their child. Mm -hmm. But I knew that if my children were at school in my school board, it would be
0: very difficult. Now, where are you going with all of this? What, what are your, your long-term goals? And then how can people reach out to you mm-hmm. to connect?
1: My long-term goal with access to education is to be able to continue to provide parents with power through knowledge. And that really is the, the power and the knowledge is really just from understanding the system and yeah. having someone who um has walked their walk to some extent. No no two walks are the same, right? When we talk about kids with exceptionalities, there are no two stories that are identical. But I have been through the road. I have been in the trench. I do understand the emotional drain, the physical drain, the uncertainty, the emotions, all of those things that run high. Um, so my goal with access to education is to continue to support families um, and I and I say it to advocate with understanding. Mm -hmm. and to be able to provide them the knowledge to be able to successfully feel that they can advocate for their child in the way that they want to, and to Mm -hmm. be that support system for them.
0: I see a book there.
1: Oh, probably. I've got all kinds of good ideas (laughs) floating. I just, you know, I gotta, just got to take the time to get them all down. But, um, so that's, that's access to education, um, because I come at it from a person with a learning disability, a, as I said, a parent of two children and someone who's worked in, in special education for a long time. So I come at it from a lot of different sides. Um, where people can learn more about me is my website. So it's access to education.com. So it's the number two, so access to the number education.com. Uh, and I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, at the same, it's actually access to education, Toronto um, is the Instagram and the Facebook handle. Uh, and I have a podcast, um, called access to education and, uh, I'm on clubhouse somewhat, which is where Megan, you and I met, although I'm not there as often. I had to, I had to take a bit of a same. <laughs> I went down the deep, dark rabbit hole. I was like, it's time <laughs> to come up for air. So I'll go back. But, um, but yeah, so those are sort of where people can find me and I post, um, about various things. I offer workshops often for free. Uh, to help parents understand the system and the process. Uh, And parents can work with me in various varying levels. Um, I do one-on-one consultations to IEP support, to advocacy where I go to meetings with families.
0: Wow. So that would be local, obviously. Uh, I mean local-ish plane. I mean now that it's yeah
1: I mean and and listen to be clear right I do this here in Ontario up in Canada and it, it's a different ball game in in the U.S. there are a lot of advocates in the U.S. who are doing some phenomenal work and I follow many of them because their work uh, is very interesting here in Canada it is less common or it is not as common it is uncommon I'm like what is the word I'm looking for <laughs> it's getting late uh um, yeah uh, uh it's uncommon, uncommon. to find special education advocates here um for i i'm not sure what reason but it just isn't as common there are not that many of us and so um it's yeah. been an interesting journey
0: yeah then you're really you're really doing the good work yeah i
1: mean there there are some right there are some but there aren't uh many yeah,
0: yeah. good for you that's awesome you have a lot on your plate too <laughs> you're carrying yeah. you're wearing a lot of hats i like
1: to be busy i don't yeah say. yeah how to keep your brain moving.
0: <laughs> well, I, Delphine, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. This was, this was awesome. I mean, we could have the education conversation on a <laughs> We could keep morning. going. <laughs> oh, for sure. I could talk about this all night because we both, we get it from both sides of the aisle. But, but for my listeners who are mainly mothers, um, they, they want to know that they are being supported in many different ways. And as educators, we do support. There's, I think, a little disconnect sometimes, but that's what you're aiming to change, which I love, I love, I love. So thank you again. Thank you so much for being here. And hopefully we'll talk again soon. I hope so too, Megan. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website ontheharddays.com and click on schedule a call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community on the hard days podcast and community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.